0: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to From A to Gen Z with Connie Castle and Jale Brazil, cultural commentary and celebrity chat from two Gen Zers. Hello, welcome everyone to our second episode of our second season. Yay! Love to be here. Um, and Easter is just around the corner.
1: Yes. How do you feel about that, Connie? Um, I feel excited. I kind of can't believe it's already Easter because I feel that I've done nothing with my life since January, so that's kind of scaring me. Um, Yeah. But Easter is a good holiday. At least you know you don't have to do too much preparation, and you get quite a lot of chocolate, which is like my
0: ideal scenario. So. Is it a good holiday though? (laughs) I think it's not one of the best ones because I I, I don't know. Flaming hot. that. I think it's just because in my family at least, we just, Easter means nothing to Mm -hmm. us, like we don't do anything I had never heard of the fact that you're meant to eat lamb or whatever it is you're meant to eat at Easter until like last year
1: Yeah, I remember watching Bake Off and they had all these weird cakes that were like Easter symbol cake, I'd never heard of that. Um, Never
0: heard
1: of that. We never really, I mean I think in years past we might have done a roast like once or twice but it was never a thing um, in our house Yeah like an easter and meal. the only
0: thing i can think of is hot cross buns which oh is yeah bang to be fair yeah i smash hot cross buns but apart <laughs> from that and the chocolate like i've never even done an easter egg hunt
1: <gasps> okay you haven't lived i've done a lot of easter yeah. egg hunts in my life like we we do one pretty much every year um and they are they're just so fun i mean the idea where of do you do it around your house in the garden usually you could yeah. do it in the house it's, it's really fun also um like when the adults hide it how they find cute places to hide them that's nice when they Aww. find like a little ledge or like inside a watering can that's cute um, oh, that's and so it becomes cute. really competitive cuz you and the other people are like running for the eggs it's great fun yeah. i would i think you should try it as a lockdown easter cuz
0: i mean yeah that does sound good yeah
1: you and your mom could do one <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: we will do it for each other so yeah it's just exactly manically running around but when you say adults are you counting do you, are you still a child in this
1: scenario in this scenario i'm obviously a child um, okay yeah because <laughs> i'm baby and i will be for the rest of my life as far as i'm concerned but yeah i'm I, that is kind of something that i think would be quite fun as a parent because like christmas you have to think a lot and spend a yeah. lot of money but i think easter's a lot better for a parent because chocolate's not that expensive and then
0: they're hiding their eggs yeah could be fun, you know. So and you just hide it in random places. It isn't like a treasure hunt where you have to do clues and stuff.
1: No, we've never got that elaborate. Yeah. Um, but one mm. could if one was bored, I'm guessing. But no, yeah, it's usually just around the garden and you look for like the brightly coloured foil and run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that does sound nice. Maybe I will do that. Maybe I should make some Easter traditions. Happen.
1: Yeah, why not? Do you have mm. a, a favourite Easter eggs? Are you like a cream egg girl, mini
0: eggs? Any? Actually, oh my gosh, that's so true. I have not had a cream egg yet this year. Me I've neither. Been very good. That is that is such a visceral sugar rush when you have one of those, that like sets you up for the day, do you know what I mean? Yeah, honestly,
1: just... I remember the first time I had one, because I lived in Brussels <laughs> before, and they're not a thing there, obviously. I just could not figure out like what it was inside, how it looks mm. like an egg, but it tastes like
0: pure sugar. Um, yeah, it is pure sugar, it's like molten sugar. And also, this is like boring, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> I have like, you know you have sensitive teeth? Oh, yeah. So like Marmite, I love Marmite, but that's a real danger for me. Because if it gets on like the sensitive bits, like... I don't know oh, Marmite hurts teeth, that's crazy. Yeah, it's a weird one. But the, the rest of the stuff that really is not good for it is sweet. So mm. a cream egg is like so dangerous. It's like a red flag but Ooh. that kind of makes me want it more you know forbidden like yeah. Voice. forbidden fruit <laughs> tastes sweet <laughs> so yeah i haven't had a cream egg yet other than that for my actual easter egg you know i'm bougie mm. i like a lint one i can't resist those little Lindor ones
1: oh you know, the red
0: little wrappers literal yeah. heaven i love those what's your fave what's your favorite egg
1: um that's a good question i'm also a fan of lint um yeah, I think I would, I usually get the Lint bunny, like the quite big one. Oh yeah. Um I actually M because my granny shops an MS and she gives us an Easter egg. Um, so I've had an MS one for the last couple of years and they're pretty good. Chocolate tastes good. Um yeah. they're usually quite bougie as well, like one of the fancy ones, not like a Percy pig. But I have seen this year that Percy is in, in Easter egg form. You can buy like a massive Percy pig egg, but it does not look like it would be for me because I think it's like strawberry flavoured chocolate maybe because he's obviously Whoa. pink so This is quite yeah. a niche niche egg but if anyone wants to check it out
0: <laughs> yeah maybe we should do a
1: tasting oh, a live tasting definitely that would that would be really fun we should we can go live <laughs> on instagram love it a dream stay tuned for that guys look out we might do it you never know <laughs> <laughs> yeah see you there with all the eggs <laughs> So, Jar, what have you been watching this week? Anything new?
0: I have been watching Ginny and Georgia along with many, many other people mm. because it is actually number two on the list of the longest um, amount of time that shows have spent in the Netflix top ten.
1: I did not know that. Very yeah, successful Yeah, quite
0: a stat, exactly. Can you guess what the first one is? So Ginny and Georgia has been in that for 23 days, has been in that space for 23 days. Can you guess what the number one is? Well, or what show, holds the number one spot?
1: That's really hard because I was going to say Bridgerton because that's been so successful, but I don't that's think it was successful good for
0: long, was it? I know, you've got to think about longevity. You've got to, th- I'll give you a clue. Okay. Think about context, a time when everyone had nothing else to do other than just sit and watch Netflix. Was it Tiger King? It is Tiger King. No way!
1: Yeah. That was... <laughs> There was just so overhyped
0: Tiger King, wasn't it? Just everybody was talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And it was because of lockdown. But I was thinking yeah. it would be hilarious if, for some, like, alien race, the top ten of Netflix was the only sample of so our culture true. that you could send. Because if <laughs> you saw Tiger King, and then Ginny and Georgia is completely different, but kind of mad in its own way. I mean, the aliens would just have no idea what was going yeah, on. They'd
1: yeah, they'd be like, why are humans obsessed with
0: tigers? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Well, our tigers even, maybe they even not have tigers. Yeah, sure. um, so, yeah, so those of people have been watching it. It's a TV series about a new family which moves to a suburban town in America mm-hmm. called Wellsbury, which is just such a cliche because it's like, you know, everyone's rich and healthy and it's just like, oh, vocal. gosh. Anyway, um, so Georgia is the mum and she had her daughter Ginny when she was 15. And the backstory of that is gradually revealed throughout the series. So you get oh. these flashbacks, which does that really stereotypical cliched thing of, you know, when the flashback is like shot in kind of a blue light, it's like a filters on it where it's slightly faded. Um, so that's how you know it's a flashback. And also there are different actors and stuff, but that would just warm you up to the, to the level of show that we're discussing okay, here. Okay, nice. <laughs> so like sepia shots of the past. And, um, so Georgia is the character, I don't know if you've seen this drama on Twitter, but there's a scene where Ginny, her daughter, accuses her of going through men faster than Taylor Swift. Oh yes, um, I have seen yeah. this. And Taylor Swift called that out on Twitter and said, 2010 Carls and once it's lazy, deeply sexist joke back.
1: Lol, take that, yeah. Ginny
0: Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I just did that accent. I don't even know if Taylor Swift talked about that, but okay, Probably. there we go. <laughs> Um, yeah, basically Georgia is the best thing about the show. But she's like serious, legally blonde energy. She turns up to school to drop off her son in kind of a cut out hot pink dress in a convertible, which is obviously mm. my dream. Um, she does have quite a questionable Southern accent because she's meant to be from, I think, Alabama. Um, but again, you just roll with it. You just said so there's a lot of things you just roll with in this show. Um, and the plot is basically that the family moved to a big house in Wellsbury after Georgia's most recent husband dies, oh. perhaps in mysterious circumstances. Oh. Yes, exactly. Leave you to fill in the gaps. Um, and it just follows them settling in, like Ginny fitting into her new school, Georgia finding a job, you know, their relationships, their love interests um the kind of interaction between them as mother and daughter a little comparison has been made to the Gilmore Girls because that's a similar like mother and daughter who are more like sisters right yes yes. um but to be honest it just made me realize I love soaps I love soap operas because the whole experience of watching the show is just like drama it's just being thrown at you and it's pretending that the stakes are really high but I mean nothing they're not really because it never shows any violence or you know, the sex isn't explicit mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah. So it's just like really easy watching. Um, and there are these dodgy dealings and possible crime in the backstory and all of this. And there is some social commentary on, because Ginny is mixed race. So there's some of, something about, you know, how difficult it is having a conflicted identity when you're in a really affluent, homogenous Why? setting. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a lot about like sexting and, you know, self discovery stuff um but to be honest i mean that's fine that's great that they're exploring those issues but the reason i enjoyed it so much is just it's part of that netflix sheen when they have these shows that are just really polished and like the filming is very smooth and expensive looking and everyone's very attractive and the plot just washes over you and actually to be honest there were loads of set pieces which had no right to be as visually entertaining as they were but there's like There's like a random high school musical bit where they will break into a dance, like a kind of coordinated dance. And then there's another bit where there's a casino night and then there's a Halloween party, which also has like a kind of entrance sequence of everyone coming in. Like it's a ball. I mean, maybe I'm just deprived of like going to things, but (laughs) I found those bits really entertaining as well. So... I don't know are you intrigued by that? I'm very intrigued
1: by it. it's sounding to me a little bit reminiscent of Virgin River which I don't know if you remember what I talked about um yes. back in like December or something um although that sounds like maybe a bit more of a a middle-aged version of this because obviously this was a teenager <laughs> yeah. um and that's about like I don't know 30 year old kind of lady mm. and her love interest yeah. is a bit older so I'm very intrigued. Sounds right up my street. The flashbacks, yep. that was what I was going to say. sounded a lot like Virgin River. Um, but I really get what you mean about the very polished Netflix series is um, because th- like, things like uh, Sex Education, for example, how everyone looks so cute and attractive and they have like all those really brightly coloured clashing yes. patterns, but there's some like uniformity to everyone. Everyone yes. looks like they're meant to be there and they look great i totally get what you mean so yeah it's a very strong
0: netflix aesthetic basically that they've that they've refined um and it is just very comforting viewing
1: sounds great and i i can't wait to catch up with that Woo!
0: (laughs) speaking of bbc produced shows i know you've seen the first episode of line of duty which i have not yet watched Mm -hmm. the new season i haven't watched so okay. tell me how it is, but don't tell me too much.
1: Yeah, absolutely no spoilers. Um, no worries. But yeah, so um, for those of you who are living under a rock and do not know what Line of Duty yeah. is, um, it is a hit BBC police drama written by Jed Mercurio. Um, and it's returned. So Sunday nights at nine from now on will be Line of Duty nights. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, so this is like, six theories. its sixth series. Very successful. Um, uh, Yeah, and in case you didn't know, basically it follows three main characters, um, Detective Sergeant Steve Arnott, (laughs) Detective Inspector Kate Fleming, Fleming, and Superintendent Ted Hastings, who work in AC12, which is basically a police anti-corruption unit. Uh, so they're the police who police the police. Lol. Whoa. <laughs> Banter. Yeah, cool. So basically <laughs> they're looking out for uh, policemen who are doing corrupt things and like investigating them, which is pretty cool.
0: Or bent coppers, as they always say. Yes,
1: exactly. Um, Superintendent Hastings, he's he's Northern Irish, right? I think Northern yeah. or Southern. Um, he's got a great Ar- Ar- Northern Irish accent and he has lots of really funny set of phrases like mother of God.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's very stern yeah, is yeah. I liked um, him he's um, and it's also it sounds over the top that you were just like detective sergeant detective inspector but that is very important because in the show it's such a stickler for like the technical words I remember oh listening God, to a 100%. podcast yeah where the um the actor who plays Kate Fleming's on it and she was basically like yeah we joke and call it lines of duty because it's just such hard work yeah it must all be all of this te- because they do the interrogations when they have interrogation scenes, they when they call up evidence, they literally just read out strings and strings of numbers, yeah. exactly as you would do in a proper um, interrogation. In a, Is interrogation the right word? That sounds like a very strong word. Uh,
1: yeah, they have, well, they have like recorded interviews for everything, I guess. And yeah, yeah exactly. and they are interrogating. But yeah, yeah, the the evidence numbers it will all be like. Yeah. <laughs> evidence number, E, e- D F yeah. one nine. Yeah. yeah it's great. <laughs> Everything has an acronym in Line of Duty, but um and at the beginning I think it could be a bit off putting, but then when you get into it, you kind of like learn the lingo and you feel like you're part yeah, of it yeah. it's like a secret yeah. language and you just love it. Which is really weird. <laughs> um yeah. but yeah, so um, as I was, I was kind of saying that they investigate like the bank coppers, um, and basically each series revolves around the one police officer who they're all investigating, um, and they kind of often Kate will go undercover and like join the the team of the police officer and then find out about it, um, and often the um, the police officers turn out to be connected to like organised crime groups or OCGs, <laughs> as they often <laughs> regularly mention. Um, yeah so for example like in the first series if you cast your mind back um Mm. they were investigating this guy tony gates who was um he was only accused of like a really small thing which was laddering so he would like arrest someone and then um, escalate the charges so that he got loads of kudos for like arresting them for like nine different charges but actually he was like adding a bit every time yeah but then it turned out to be uh, that he was involved in like loads of much worse stuff mm. um and from then the series has kind of like exploded and there have been really yeah. cool um series and really cool investigations like one where they were investigating like a firearms officer so um everyone was like oh police everywhere it was really yeah. cool um <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then uh, things are kind of linked in a really cool way and uh, something that jed mercurio does really well by the way he's like a a medical doctor or something and a paramedic he worked as so he is obviously insanely clever and also just a a really good writer yeah so he kind of like gets in the mind of I don't know emergency vibes Mm, um yeah something he's really good at is kind of changing your perception and making you think one thing and then suddenly reversing your expectations. Um, So one series, series two, I think, is they're inspecting this woman, Lindsay Denton. And for the whole thing, you're like, okay, but she definitely did it. And then the next episode, you're like, well, of course she didn't do it. Yeah.
0: Um, And the most recent- He plays you. He plays you like a puppet on a string. (laughs) But something really interesting with that, I think, is part of his method of how he maintains that being so successful is that he only releases the episodes to actors like a couple of episodes in advance. Uh, so even if you're playing one of the characters on the show, you don't know if you're a bent copper or not.
1: Yeah, that's So you really don't good. know your own
0: arc. So to re- retain that ambiguity, it's like a really, I was about to say, it's really heavily policed. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they're really stringent on when you're allowed to see the script and how much you know about the future storylines and stuff.
1: I think that's really good because it's so easy for actors to just do that, like look off into the distance that will make you be like, oh, suspicious. They're looking off into the distance. Like he definitely did it. Um, But yeah, that is, that's really cool. Um, And also uh, developing characters is quite um, a good thing. So like, a good thing sorry i'm really not speaking (laughs) didn't say that very well um something that he's really good at so for example he'll put like a pc you know he's uh, like a just a regular police um officer who's kind of a bobby on the beat as it were not Mm. a very big character in series one will suddenly develop they'll like rise through the ranks and then they'll turn up again in series four and you're like whoa it's mini or like whoa it's pc what's it called dc buckle ds buckle or whatever pops up a lot um so, yeah, very, very, um, like, he's just really good at, at hooking you in. Yeah. Um, so, basically, I'm incredibly excited for Series 6. Can't wait to yeah, see Yeah, you're, you're a little
0: line of GT fan girl. I'm obsessed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like the whole nation will be watching, though, because it's one of those things where everyone just gets absolutely hooked. I agree. I was actually really late to it, and to be brutally honest, I didn't think the first series was that good
1: yeah casting my mind back i don't think i enjoyed the first one i think the second second and third though, yeah. it really picks up um, yeah but yeah like it's a good lockdown watch for anyone who hasn't watched it because there's quite a lot out there and, and it is something that you can like really sink your teeth yeah. into not my usual cup of tea because it's a bit scary for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it actually it has me sweating with like anxiety when i yeah. watch it but i just can't stop going back for more so <laughs> that's
1: a sign of a good tv show guys <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> So, Jar, have you been reading
0: anything recently that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Yes, I just finished *Luster*, the debut novel by Raven Leilani, mm. um, which I actually reviewed. So I will <laughs> fire off those thoughts to you. Yeah. Um, so Raven Leilani, she was actually a student of Zadie Smith, um, mm. Zadie Smith's class in New York, which is really cool. And this is her first novel, and. It's been really hyped. I think it's a bestseller in America and it's now published in the UK and obviously the Zadie Smith connection is like star power. So I think it is deserving of that kind of praise because the way she writes it is so compelling and yeah, I'll get onto it, but the the way she has sentences are just so they just like yank you along and you're like, Whoa, what's happening? But in a really cool way. So <laughs> you're like mm, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it <you're just, laughs> Sorry, it sounds really cool. <laughs> um, so the narrator is Edie, who is a twenty-three-year-old black woman, and she mm. works at a New York publishing firm. Quite a large part of the story is the fact that she has IBS, which sort of adds to this whole. There's just quite a strong sense of unease and uncomfortableness and sort of oh, strain that's so, so that really yeah and she mentions it quite often i mean there's this one quote within the first few pages she's she's very lonely she finds social interactions quite difficult and she doesn't really have any friends and there's this quote where she talks about the difficulty of being at a party and she says she tries to be light and breezy even though I can't sleep, and I can't shit, and someone is dying, but that one song tells you to slide to the left, and you have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see what I mean? And that's, that's like really typical of her writing. It's it's quite bleak, but it's also really funny, mm. and it starts off doing one thing, and then by the end, it's kind of twisted into something really completely different. Um, so quite a lot of the themes of the novel are familiar from books that I would describe as quite similar in what they're talking about Mm so I was thinking of um I don't know if you've heard of Megan Nolan's recent book Acts of Desperation which is also about a young woman who like enters quite a you know not very healthy relationship and it's all about her navigating that and it's kind of the quote messy young woman genre which we've seen quite a lot of I mean you could arguably put Dolly Alderton's um, yeah. memoir in that as well it's kind it's of like navigating Queenie. yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's very i thought it was very similar to Queenie because it also has that exposure of everyday racism it really goes into that well um but whereas Queenie is set in the UK obviously this is set in America um and the difference is that Edie is very self-aware that she's like that so she says that she doesn't want to be the kind of woman who's found contorting herself over an inaccessible possibly disinterested man but she also recognises that she is doing that quite often. Interesting. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's the it's the way Leilani writes that that makes it stand out because it's these sentences. Her sentences can last for like pages and pages. Wow. And they yeah they sort of pull you on in their wake, and you sort of like reeling. And quite often they're it's quite like tense, and the suspense really builds, and it's a really claustrophobic atmosphere. Um, and the actual plot of it is that. Edie enters a relationship with an older white man who's married, but mm-hmm. in an open marriage, which isn't really working. But then she ends up moving into their marital home, their suburban mm-hmm. house in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and they have a black adopted daughter. Um, and she kind of half jokes that she's been drafted in as a trusty black spirit guide to their teenage daughter what? because they're, the married couple are both white and their daughter is black. And it's stuff like they clearly haven't, you know, they don't know how to do her hair properly and all of these kind of, and there's also kind of a run-in with the police that introduces those shades of institutional racism that have become horribly familiar now mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. But I just really liked it because it undercuts your expectation. You think it's going to be about the messiness of like the mistress moving into the house, but the, the core cool relationship is actually between Edie and Rebecca, the wife, not the oh, man that been having the affair with. So yeah. So then they enter this like weird power play. Like, you know, sometimes they're competing, sometimes they're really companionable. Um, it's pretty ambiguous. It's quite surreal at times because it's set in this suburban um, street, but there's like a lurking sense of threat, and it's like a lot of things going on under the surface. Um, but I just I really enjoyed it because I haven't really read anything like that before and it's punctuated by these quite cutting observations about modern life and millennial life in particular um which is always like quite funny like she there's this bit where Edie jokes that when she needs a bit of emotional bolstering she looks in the mirror and says old tumblr affirmations to herself. <laughs> <laughs> which i just thought was really funny because it's literally like you know on instagram you follow those accounts that are like drink water, love yourself, Mm. leave toxic (laughs) people behind. It's like such a specific thing for our generation to fall back on that. So even though I feel like I read quite a lot of books that could be compared to this in terms of, you know, it's a young female narrator, it's the whole millennial view on things. I do think if you're going to read one, read this one, because it brings in a lot of unexpected twists. And there's a lot going on on under the surface that I think would be interesting and kind of startling for any reader, not just people who are invested in the sort of time of life that it's it's describing. So have you been listening to anything good, Connie?
1: Uh, Yes, I've actually been listening to a new podcast, which is big for me because I'm not very good at finding new ones um, that I like. (laughs) But yeah, so this week I started listening to Sentimental Garbage, uh, which is a podcast by Caroline O'Donoghue. Um, and she's currently doing like a mini series within the podcast which is called Sentimental in the City Um, and that is featuring the good old Dolly Alderton who we know and love Mm -hmm. from Hilo uh, Mm -hmm. and her book Everything I Know About Love. Um, So yeah big fan of Dolly. Um, Yeah so this so the the whole podcast I think uh, the premise of that is kind of talking about women's fiction specifically so um, the name is obviously kind of like a play on um you know, the phrase sentimental garbage that we'd often kind of throw around for, like, chick lit um, or Mills and Boone-type novels. Um, yeah. But I think what Caroline does is kind of go in um, and rather than, like, talk about how kind of problematic and, like, non-serious women's fiction is, she'll go and talk about the things she loves about it, basically.
0: Yeah, um, and also, nice even even from an economic perspective, that's really interesting because you know loads of publishing houses their romantic fiction is what makes them loads mm. of money. Like these series that have like 10 books in each um, like narrative and stuff like that, like uh, Bridgerton is one of those. Yeah, I was um, just
1: thinking Bridgerton when
0: you said that. And Yeah, I re- and I read an interview with Julia Quinn, who is the author of the original Bridgerton series, and she was basically like it's kind of outrageous that women's fiction is looked down on so much because it's like a massive economic factor in these publishing houses being able to pick up less you know, they can they can take a punt on a book that might be yeah. less popular or might be more niche, and it's the heft of the women's fiction success that allows that to happen, which I thought was a really good point. And, yeah, just to back up your... Yeah, your, um, I find uh, it so annoying
1: because i wrote on my notes gives me real let people enjoy things vibes um because we just so easily dismiss things that that women find enjoyable and particularly like with teenage girls everything a teenage girl likes we're like oh my god disgusting like what the hell that's (laughs) ridiculous imagine think about one direction and um yeah uh, yeah just everything that that is associated with teenage girls is kind of like god they're crazy fangirls but yeah um there's so much to to Uh, to find that's enjoyable and meaningful in um, Mm. romance novels and maybe not like the smutty Mills and Boone vibes but still (laughs) you know you can you can find things that that like appeal and that is really important Mm. Um, commercial being commercially attractive is important Mm. in publishing so yeah like you were saying anyway that was a bit of a tangent (laughs) um but this limited series basically involves uh, Dolly and Caroline discussing Sex and City, series by series. So, as we know, me and Ja are big <laughs> Sex and City fans. Um, and, in fact, Whack, the the segment that we used to, well, we might still be doing. It's our segment, yeah. Whack or Woke, was born out of Sex and City, because we were, like, yeah. like, talking about what we wanted to discuss, and we both love Sex and City. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, lovely to find another podcast that's, like. Thinking about Sex and City, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So they they kind of preface the this the podcast by talking about how they're not going to deconstruct the problematic elements. So they were basically like, "We're not going to do a yeah. Connie and Jar," um, yeah. but kind of talking. Did about they said that specifically. They that, it not They were like
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> referencing our favourite podcast from a to Gen Z, Connie and Jar. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, they kind of just talk about what they what they like about it and how. Yeah, basically how it also informed their own lives because they both watch it when they're quite oh, young
0: um,
1: and how they relate to it and how they feel about the friendships and stuff, which is really good because Dolly talks a lot about female friendship like in everything she does, mm. um, which is kind of one of the reasons I like her. Um, yeah, and I, I particularly like Dolly. Oh, Caroline is great and I never really encountered her, so it's really nice to kind of hear a new perspective on things, but mm. I really like Dolly Auditon in podcasts because she's somehow like so funny but also really like earnest and emotional and gets quite Yucky. real.
0: Yeah. she's so charismatic isn't she she's just so listened really? to, listen to. She's, so a she's a star she's a
1: star but she kind of manages to get really personal but like just like just that level of personal enough so you relate to her but you're not like oh my god stop talking about this weird <laughs> like I don't know what you're saying kind of thing but you always want to know more um and, yeah, there was a particular moment in it which I thought was really interesting. So they're talking about series one in the episode that I was just listening to. Um, yeah, I didn't mention that, but every episode will be one of the series. So I think that's quite a good way to do it because they can kind of zoom in on episodes that were really good and then maybe ignore bits that are less mm. kind of interesting to talk about. Um, yeah, they talk about uh, Mr. Big and Carrie's relationship, which is basically like a huge part of Second City um, and how she's so addicted to him and basically the relationship is that kind of pain, pleasure, addiction type relationship. Um, and Dolly talks about in her own life, how she was dating this one guy and she was so kind of um, anxious and constantly on the edge about it. Um, that once, when when they went home together, she stayed the night at his house, and then woke up the next day and instantly checked her phone to see if he had messaged her. And when she didn't see a text from him, like felt this like huge wave of disappointment, and like she felt sick because she was so anxious about it. Whoa. And then obviously realized that he was in bed next to her, but it kind of still oh wasn't god. enough. She said she still wow. felt that like panic of yeah of like why hasn't he texted me? And like oh my god, I- I'm not good enough. I'm like what why yeah. is he Um, talking to me. And I thought that was just such a... Firstly, I really applauded her for sharing something that's super emotional and personal. Um, And I thought that was kind of interesting to talk about with you just because I feel like, yeah, Carrie's relationship with Big is so relatable in so many ways, but also it's one of the reasons why people hate Sex and the City because they find it so frustrating to watch and they think she's so... Like, over the top and dramatic about it I don't know I just want to just get mm. your thoughts on that like do you feel like she's relatable because you're quite I feel like you're very measured and and level-headed oh, about relationships oh,
0: <laughs> Yeah, you're
1: <more> like... this. <laughs> <Compliments>. <laughs> but you're like you're, you're really good and, and you, you never seem to lose your cool I feel like you always have some level of control of like oh my god I know what's happening and this aspect, but oh, I've so literally been the carry in the relationship <laughs> so bad. Like I remember those feelings of like, oh my god, like I like you can't even enjoy the person because you're so anxious about when you're not gonna be yeah. with them kind of vibe. So yeah, what do you think? Tell me.
0: I I just think I think it's a personality thing, and I think I've I've never really got a kick out of that, like uncertainty. That's like my mm. least favourite bit. I know it's really exciting because it's often like when you're because it's when you don't know the rhythms of the other person enough and you're getting to know each other still and yeah. everything's like exciting and they might like you they might not they might love you they might not and i can completely see why that's the most exciting bit for people because that's like the passion and when everything's at its height and this makes me sound like an old woman but it just stresses me out like i <laughs> i just find that uncertainty quite unnerving not because not necessarily because i think like because I'm insecure about it but I don't like that's not my favorite bit yeah so I understand and I and I think they portray it in Sex and City really well because she, it's as you say she's completely addicted and hooked on that feeling and it is a kind of hit situation like she's yeah. always waiting for the next hit of you know it's really high highs really low lows um but for one reason or another I just I get my kicks elsewhere you know from that perspective I don't know
1: I (laughs) love it I think I think that's really mature in a way because I think so many people even though they don't like to admit it they just love the drama
0: yeah I've got Julie and Georgia Georgia, for if I want the drama Yeah,
1: get your kicks from your Netflix (laughs) original series guys not from your boyfriends. um yeah I think I would kind of agree that um after having one of those awful relationships I was then like I never want that again (laughs) because it's just too much of a stress and you're not you're never enjoying yourself are you if you're constantly Mm. on the edge um yeah
0: but I think that's important because I think it's also you need to experience an element of it it's just a classic you need to experience it to know what you don't want in a way because and I and I feel like it's quite a familiar thing that you have something like that when you're quite young and I think yeah. that's another element of why the carry thing is quite annoying because True. it's meant to be when she's had quite a lot of experience and she should be a bit more discerning well should be you know I'm passing judgment here but I think so it's relatable because often people go through it when they're at a younger stage but when she's mm. still and she doesn't learn from it yeah she just like keeps going back for more even when it's like, clearly quite damaging so that's also kind of a difficult element of it too
1: think that's a really good point yeah because you always kind of want to hear more about carrie's early life and that's why i think um candace bushel wrote like a a diary what's it called carrie diaries or something which is about Mm. her teenage years because you want to find out like why she still would chase someone like mr big and why she doesn't Mm. want to settle down so yeah i think that's a great point and why probably why the people that watch sex in the city aren't necessarily the the same age as the protagonist
0: is supposed to be yeah that's really interesting yeah Damn, you're... we should do that. We should steal that. but They've stolen our ideas. We steal
1: that idea. <laughs> Watch out, Caroline and Dolly. We're coming yeah. for you. Um, yeah. I also just wanted to share a really great tweet that Caroline wrote, which made me love her a lot. Um, she wrote, Okay, this is niche, but I find most podcasts that are made by big studios extremely uncompelling. I don't actually want radio quality podcasts. I want two losers in a cupboard trying very hard to make something that they don't know if there's an audience for. <laughs> oh
0: my God, it's us! Awesome. Awesome i just found it so relatable
1: i was like caroline please love us i'm definitely going to try yeah. and retweet that and yeah. get her attention because that is what our podcast is we should, um,
0: we should make that our bio two losers in a cupboard trying very hard to make something that they don't know if there's an audience for yes 100 <laughs> percent. although we're not in the same cupboard which is sad tragically yeah. i wish we were yes. i know i wish we were we will be at some point soon um yeah, oh, well, that sounds really good. I was thinking of listening to it because the Hilo has left quite a big space in my weekly culture mm-hmm. intake. Um, and I almost didn't want to hear Dolly on another podcast because mm. it didn't really feel like a betrayal. But it's just like, you know, and the sequel isn't as good as the original. And you're just like, oh, I kind of wish I didn't see that you know I, um, I
1: get you 100% I think so it's I'm glad that you've road
0: tested it yeah, yeah exactly it's
1: more definitely more sentimental and less highbrow kind of
0: yeah although the issue is because I obviously I have inhaled all of Sex in the City but I watched it quite a few years ago and I actually don't know it that well so would you say that you need to know the series well to understand what they're talking about uh that
1: is a good question I think I think so today the one I was listening to, they were talking about stuff that I didn't actually remember because they go through mm. one scene like line by line basically and I don't oh, remember wow. the scene particularly. Um but it's still, I still really enjoyed it. So I think it could well just be kind of easy listening to have in the background. You don't yeah. have to like hang off that every word. Um, I think yeah. it would be quite a fun idea to watch one series and then listen to their um, analysis of it. Like that would be yeah. quite fun if you have the time and you're kind of that way inclined. But I definitely don't think you'd have to. I think if you watch it all once, you could just kind of
0: listen and enjoy. Yeah. Why not? vibe with it. Well, that's good. I'll give that a listen because I'm glad. Yeah, as I say, I'm glad you road tested it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, babe. <laughs> Welcome
1: to From A List to Gen Z, the segment where we talk in detail about the wild, wild world of celebrities. So, for today's Celeb segment, Jar has provided a
0: very entertaining story for everybody. Jar, do you want to take it away? yeah I feel bad making fun of this because he's already been roasted so much but whatever I'm just going to jump on the bandwagon yeah this is an interview that Orlando Bloom did in the Times where he kind of describes his daily routine and I'll just I'll just read it I think I'll just read it yeah, I guess so. so he says I like to earn my breakfast so I'll just have some green powders that I mix with brain octane oil a collagen uh. powder for my hair and nails And some protein. It's all quite LA, really. (laughs) (laughs) Then I'll go for a hike while I listen to some Nirvana or Stone Temple Pilots. Bit of name dropping there. Then he moves on. By nine AM, it's breakfast, which is usually porridge, a little hazelnut milk, cinnamon, vanilla paste, hazelnuts, goji berries, a vegan protein powder, and a cup of PG Tips. Mm. Wild card there at the end. 90% plant-based so I'll only eat a really good piece of red meat maybe once a month I sometimes look at a cow and think that's the most beautiful thing ever me too (laughs) and then he talks about how if his son's there he makes him breakfast before school which is like fair enough then I'll have a shower and get dressed I like to make an effort no tracksuit bottoms I have a deal with Amazon where I work on projects exclusively for them. I spend a lot of my time dreaming about roles for myself and others, for minorities and women. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a voice for everybody. <laughs> it's noble. Um, I had this remarkable opening chapter to my career for which I was only semi-present. Mm-hmm. Without my Buddhist practice, I could easily have come off the rails. And now I, I'm asking you to stay with me during this metaphor because I've read this so many times and I'm not quite sure what it means. So just, you know. Okay. It's really try and apply what he's thinking here. I've been changing the narrative in my head and feel that I can be the driver of my train. I can set it alight, but I can get the fire crew and put it out. What? <laughs> What's happening there? Is he, in his head is it a train that's on fire, but then he's like, the, he's calling the fire brigade. It's more like the house is on
1: fire. But he's also putting it out. So he's the train driver setting fire to the train and the fire brigade.
0: Yeah, simultaneously. He really lost me at the end. uh, Yeah. But then maybe these are just all the roles that he's dreaming for himself and minorities and women. (laughs) I was thinking, doesn't that sound so
1: much like one of those Miss Universe speeches
0: (laughs) where it's like, what do you want in life? I want world
1: peace. Like, what do you want? I want roles for minorities and women.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. But then on the other hand, I do feel really bad because when, if you just like think about this a little bit more, like cut under the surface of just it's ridiculous and how did his his PR ever approve this Mm. (laughs) you realize that so he's I think he's 44 now and his big break was in the Lord of the Rings when he was 22 so that's younger than us Mm. and he's been like mega famous for 22 years and that's what I was thinking as I was reading this like how it's just a completely different mindset you have to be in where you write that and have no conception of like how ridiculous it would sound to yeah. other people and that's quite sad it
1: is it's also quite scary how can you get to that point yeah. where you think like it's relatable to talk about eating brain oil mixed with <laughs> collagen in the morning I mean that is yeah. a bit insane but yeah I obviously um I, yeah at least he's trying for the minorities and women it's better to mention the minorities and women than to just talk about himself I guess but also it kind of yeah. sounds like he might be a bit dumb I don't know if that's mean to say <laughs> um and he's just kind of heard that idea and jumped on it and feels like he has to uh shoehorn it in into... yeah I know what
0: you mean it's, it has the energy of like he has a poster on his computer that says like minorities <laughs> yeah. women and then he's just like from them <laughs>
1: yeah all his publicists is just like just always talk about the minorities and women just yeah. get that out there
0: yeah <laughs> yeah the other the other part of it which is probably worth delving into a bit is that I like how he mentions PG tips, because mm. clearly that's a very, like, down-to-earth element. But then it's a very, it's a very calculated name drop of Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots. So, you know, there's an insight to all I know that we perhaps didn't have before. No. Apart from the goji berries, et cetera. Um, anyway, so, yeah, basically I'm just piling on most of Twitter with rinsing him for that. There's actually a really funny video doing the rounds of a guy reading this in a really strong cockney accent which i would recommend because <laughs> that it's just like a, a i mean <laughs> that's what the internet really excels at it's just like this mishmash of different things that you'd never think to put together but it really works so yeah there we go
1: sounds great thank you for sharing that jar
0: you're most welcome orlando bloom we hold you in our thoughts
1: Now it's time for Nice Nuggets of News, a segment where we discuss uplifting news stories that might have passed you by. So, Ja, do you have any nice nugs
0: for me this week? I have a report from something called Food for Thought, the Protein Transformation, mm. which sounds pretty cool. Um, And apparently it shows that meat consumption in Europe and North America will start falling from 2025. Interesting. How cool is that? As in like for the first time, it's going to reach a peak where everyone who will eat meat is eating meat. And then it'll start like falling because people will start using protein substitutes and stuff like that. Mm. Which I think is interesting because I feel bad about this, but we're not very representative of our generation Mm. on this because... I feel like most people are veg or vegan who are our age, and I've just never even contemplated it. Is that really bad? I do,
1: I I personally. Have considered being pescatarian, but wouldn't consider being vegan just for me because I just don't. I don't think I would enjoy my life as much if I didn't have as many Yeah, that's foods. the thing. Yeah.
0: I think that's the payoff, isn't it? Because it's like a personal sort of like fulfillment, pleasure thing versus how important you think yeah. it is, or like well, it's kind of facts like how important it is for the environment and how much impact you could make from that perspective. To be honest, this is kind of weird timing because in the past week we've only just started buying oat milk. And I would say I have oh. finesse that transition. Okay. I have I... it in tea now. So that's something. And what do you
1: think? <laughs> have you noticed a difference between normal milk? Yeah, like it
0: does taste different. Um, but like, I'm not really that bothered by it. Okay. So that's something. But I don't know. I just thought it was, you know, that's a good thing to, to hear that it's going to make such a big impact. Apparently, the shift to plant-based, quote, meat and eggs could save more than one gigaton of co2 by 2035 what's
1: a plant-based egg
0: by the way as well do we know that or not i think maybe the plant-based was referring to the meat and the egg was just like separate but that's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) so that's where your mind goes i feel like a plant-based egg would just be like a falafel
1: yeah and what what could substitute (laughs) eggs because that's one thing that i have difficulty with like could you substitute an egg like what instead of having scrambled eggs what could a vegan have you know that's why i think
0: yeah, I think lot of anyway, things sorry. out there, but I'm not. Yeah, um, but yeah, apparently that amount of CO two is equivalent to Japan going carbon neutral for a whole year. Wow, that's positive. Yeah, brilliant news. Very
1: good news. Um, anything else on the on the books this week, Jean?
0: <laughs> Consulting my tomes. <laughs> yes, actually, there's also news that in Wales, um, it's going to be introduced in 2022 that. They, they have to have lessons about racism and contributions that black, Asian and minority ethnic communities have made to, like, the history of the UK, which, oh. I mean, is really good, but also I really would have hoped that would have happened before. Yeah, I have to say,
1: good. I'm also surprised that this has not been already mandatory
0: for years. <laughs> but actually, when you think about it, though, do you not remember, in primary school, I think we did the Tudors, like, eight times. Lol. And we never did, like, the British Empire no she never did anything about
1: I, that. I do remember Black History Month being a thing but I don't remember ever studying it I think we just had an assembly on it from my memory yeah
0: I mean exactly so and also it's only in Wales so like when's the rest of the UK gonna catch up with
1: that come on guys yeah come on we're waiting get with it
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about your nice nug tell me
1: Uh, So this week, of course, I have another animal themed nug because I'm loyal to the animals. Um, Mm. (laughs) uh, So this week, uh, I heard a story about an albatross called Wisdom. Have
0: you heard about this, Janne? No, but that is such a cool name. I exactly. wish I was called Wisdom. Yeah,
1: it's a great name. Um, so Wisdom is the oldest known wild bird in history, which is pretty a Whoa. pretty big achievement. Um, yeah. So she's age seventy, and the big news is that she has just hatched a chick.
0: Oh my god! That's right,
1: geriatric mother up in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's just had a baby. That's freaking crazy. A seventy. Yeah, that year old? is crazy. Is that I, usual? Okay, so I would have thought no, but there is a line in the article which says it's quite normal for wild animals uh, to have an extended lifespan after fertility, whereas it's not normal with primates and whales. So, like, in humans, obviously, people have the menopause, and then they kind of die, like, I guess, not soon afterwards, but um, it's that's what, so, the end of their life.
0: So for primates, you... After the end of you being fertile, you still, like, hang around for a while, just, like, living your life. Whereas for wild animals, that doesn't really happen. I think that's they're fertile what the whole they're time. saying.
1: Yeah, they're fertile, like, till the day they die, in theory.
0: Oh, wow. It's kind of crazy. Okay, that is interesting. I didn't really think about that before. That does sound like, that's, that's quite a big distinction for humans and, and other primates, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So it's, like, wisdom that you're passing on, which is funny, given that this albatross is called wisdom. Yes, Very fitting.
1: Uh, Yeah, so big congratulations to Wisdom on her new baby.
0: You go, girl. We'll send a birthday card. (laughs) Can't really address it to an albatross, though, because aren't they one of those birds that they always have to be, like, moving?
1: Yeah. They never land. We don't know where she is, but we're happy for her. Yeah, we're so happy. Congrats, babes.
0: Welcome to this or that where we pit two popular items against each other and see which one comes out on
1: top so this week for this or that the question that we put to the people again on an instagram poll was beach versus mountain which one do you prefer uh, so yeah, this was kind of an abstract idea, but we just thought, why not go with it? Like it's COVID, no one can travel. Let's be a bit, you know, whimsical. Um, so surprisingly, this poll was actually um, more. No, it was it was closer run than our last poll. So it was more polarizing. Yeah. Sixty five percent of you voted beach, and thirty five percent voted mountain. Jean, what do you think about this result, and what's your preference?
0: I love it when you do the newsreader <laughs> Why it's do so I automatically do it for this I'm, segment? <laughs> I don't know, but I love it. I'm so here for it. Um, I am a mountain babe. Ooh. If we're, like, applying the beach babe thing to the mountain. I don't okay, know to yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I prefer mountain. Mainly, to be honest, it's quite, like, a negative twist on the decision. But it's because there's a lot of things I don't like about the beach. Right. So... It's kind of a default one. Like, I don't know, I know well well, what's your preference? So I would say beach, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. I think you'd be beach. But the thing is, okay, right. Okay. (laughs) Not to be negative, (laughs) but issues with the beach. Number one, sand. Mm. It's just a nightmare. Just a nightmare. Gets everywhere, gets in your shoes, gets in your bag, gets in uncomfortable crevices. We won't go into that, you know what I mean. (laughs) Um And then also, even if when you're there, it's like nice because there's people of all ages and all body shapes and it's fine. There's always at least a little bit of anxiety before you get there because you're going to have to be in a swimsuit. Um, Also, I just don't really vibe with the sea that much. I have a very strong aversion to octopi. um, And I always worry that when I go in, I'm basically going to be like tangled up and swallowed alive by a giant octopus. Right. And when I feel the seaweed against my legs, like that's what I assume. So the whole beach experience is laced with terror for me, I'd say.
1: Wow. Um, Having been (laughs) been to the beach with you, I did not expect that it was
0: laced. (laughs) (laughs) You seem so relaxed. (laughs) Oh, girl, yeah, I was probably having a nice time, to be honest. I'm exaggerating a bit, but like, I don't, you know how some people just really love going in the sea? that's
1: me yeah I do really like yeah RC. so that's you mm.
0: I don't identify that I, I prefer to put in the tanning time if anything mm. but then recently even that because I've suddenly realized that skincare is a thing now I'm quite paranoid about the whole like uv situation right so even tanning stressed me out a bit and then also it's even the very minor things like when you go into the sea and then you forget that you're wearing your sunglasses and then you lose them in the waves
1: that is sad. That is sad. And I, I, to be honest, I see you on all those points. Like, I sand yeah. is annoying. The, the sea, I mean, the sea is a really powerful force. Like, you have to fear it. So many people have died yeah. at sea. <laughs> we can't forget this, yeah, guys. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I do, I really like swimming. And I just, I just like the vibe of the beach, sound of the waves. Even when it's winter, I do quite enjoy, like, walking on a beach. I think it's a nice, calming mm. atmosphere. And I've had some good times on beaches, which I can't really say for mountains. I think, weirdly, this one, maybe I can't... I just feel that I can't vote mountains because I haven't had enough mountain experience, really. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it's mainly... It's skiing for me, I think. Spend a lot of time yes, on those kind of mountains. I'm yeah. personally
1: not a skier, but I know that a lot of people who love it will obviously go for that mm. mountain option. Yeah. Um, do you think there's anything else about the mountains that attracts you, like the views or altitude and... yeah
0: the views love that and I think weirdly it's like the same reasons what you're saying for the beach but applied to the mountain mm-hmm. it's very peaceful because it's so quiet and the noises are really just like tranquil um and it's often when you get that high if you're you know if you're going quite high we're talking high mountains it's not like hillocks then it's often quite sunny and okay. it's stronger sun because you're closer to the sun i thought it's like so, snowy
1: on the top of mountains is that not right yeah
0: they're snow covered it's a weird combo oh, like they're okay. snow covered but it's also sunny which is like an ideal oh
1: situation. yeah because you have to wear um, sun cream don't you when you yeah, ski yeah you have
0: to wear goggles and stuff exactly also the uv problem you see <gasps> it's a problem wherever you go yes um so that's why i'd say mountain i think yeah
1: intriguing uh would you say you're a hiker like do you enjoy walking up the mountains because that's another reservation I have about them I don't really like vertical walking you know
0: yeah yeah I'm not that fussed about walking I mean I will I can but you know I get very hungry and then I get very grumpy <laughs> if you know yeah hanger is not yeah it's
1: not the one <laughs> I also get hungry. Um nice, <laughs> so yeah I I don't I think trying to search like really search my own reach for mountain experience, I only have, really have one that I would say, which I'm probably forgetting like nine things, but I've never skied. So I remember once when I went to Vietnam with my sister, which was like four years ago or something um we went on this kind of like pre-organized trip to Halong Bay, which is this really cool like, I don't know, even know what it is, a bay with rocks in it. It's pretty cool. And um, for one night, we, we went on this island. And the, the Vietnamese guide guy, he was really nice. Um, he was like, okay, so there's two options for today. And like, like one is a really chill walk. And the other one is quite a serious hike. Like, you have to go to another island and then a hike and
0: mm. all this stuff.
1: So obviously, my sister and I were like, oh, let's do the chill one. Because we have no equipment. Yeah. And some of the girls arrived with, like, I don't know what they're called. Like, those walking stick things. Oh, yeah. Um, proper yeah. hiking boots and stuff. And I was wearing, I think I was wearing flip-flops and a skirt. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, so we'll go on the walk. Like, that'll be really chill. It turned out to be, like, a full-on hike up a mountain, which was no. completely vertical. I was wearing a bodycon, <sighs> like, jersey skirt, which was not appropriate for the occasion. And the the guide nearly fell off the mountain at one point, And one of the oh other members of the, of the like group had to pull him back. And oh my, my sister God. and I were just looking at each other like, whoa. Um...
0: We got so Why anyone tell you? Because they just said beforehand.
1: I think it's because the guide's English wasn't that good, so maybe he had explained, like, I think he also just didn't want to say to us, like, you're wearing inappropriate clothing but he probably should I think he was actually wearing flip-flops as well so maybe it was just a very chill (laughs) hike for him but for us it was quite intense um it was boiling hot it was like 36 degrees or something so we literally walked into the sea afterwards weirdly there was a beach and a mountain next to each other so best of both worlds Hmm, Um, but yeah it wasn't the best experience I
0: love that image of you delicately hobbling up a mountain yeah it was flip-flops it was
1: not the one you know um but that yeah that's pretty much my only mountain experience i would i would like to go skiing and I, the views look sick but i'm not a sporty mm. girl so i do okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but hopefully apart what, from when you're going up a mountain yeah then i'm
1: the, the epitome of sport um yeah. but hopefully both of us will be on either a beach or a mountain soon when we're able to travel
0: yes oh my god can you imagine This is Ask Gen Z. We're here
1: for all your troubles and dilemmas.
0: Bringing our combined 46 years of experience on this earth to give you the best advice we can. So do you want to read our dilemma for this week, Connie?
1: Yes, I will. So this week we've got a dilemma from Stephen Stefano. And he or she has said to us, I have the same patterns in my dating life as in my job search. I get attached to a particular role and can see my life heading in that direction, just as I do with a romantic partner, only to end up disappointed when they don't feel the same. What advice do you have to keep things casual during the job hunt?
0: Interesting. Very interesting. This is a very interesting question, because I like how they've sort of broken down the job hunt and romance into two separate spheres. hmm But I'm wondering if that's a helpful way to think about it or if it's maybe a bit of a hindrance. Mm -hmm. Because I know from bitter experience, you actually have to invest yourself quite a lot and emotionally invest quite a lot in a job when you're applying for it in order to do the best application you can. You really need to envision yourself in that role and the kind of life you'd lead. Even stuff like, okay, like how far would I have to travel in each day? Stuff like that. You have to take all these things consideration so it can be such a disappointment for so many different reasons when you don't get it and then when you're having to do that over and over again it's just like a constant like battering it's just like being buffeted in the face all the time and it's really unpleasant so feel for you there Stephen Stefano um but I'm also thinking it's weird because like our attitude towards romantic relationships and this is a massive generalization but whatever I'm gonna roll with it is that We often think of it as like, kind of like fate. Like Mm -hmm. if it's meant to be, it'll be. If I'm in the right place at the right time, it's just like this whole meet cute idea where the right thing will come along at the perfect moment and then that's you like sorted for life. So I think if we took a little bit of that expectation and put it with the job hunt thing, that might be quite useful because it can be really difficult when you're applying for stuff and applying for stuff and applying for stuff and not getting anything. To sit back and kind of just relax into the idea that it what's meant to be will be, and you will get something. And the reason that you'll get it is because you were the right person for the job and they wanted you, and you'll, you know, you'll fit in well there, and all of those kind of aspects that we would normally apply to a romantic thing. But equally, and stay with me here, this is getting mm-hmm. quite convoluted, with with romance like we could kind of take some of the ideas that we think about when we approach job hunting and then apply them to relationships I think that would also be quite useful because like what I was just saying about when we're looking for a job like we have to consider stuff like the practical side of things how much is it paid is it close by Um, is it going to fit with my lifestyle all these kind of things am I going to like the other people who are working there so you have to you almost have a I don't want to say a checklist because Obviously, you know, love doesn't work mm, like that. Yeah. But you have these ideas in your head of what you're looking for, so that you know when it comes along, you're like, okay, this is great. This is what I've been searching for. So with romance, I feel like quite often, because the whole concept of it is that you're just like going to be swept off your feet and bowled over, and it's like none of the practicalities will matter. Like that's the myth we're sold. When actually stuff like do you share a sense of humour with someone, like? are you going to want the same things from life a few years down the line? Or if that's the kind of long-term relationship you want. Like, all these practical considerations that we would think about for a job hunt, I think you can also apply to a romantic relationship and that would be quite useful. Um, Yeah, I
1: completely agree. I feel
0: like... (laughs) I I've like just delivered
1: a bit of thesis there <laughs> yeah what do you think yeah, she, I was just gonna say it reminds me of when we um ages ago when we listened to that Miley Cyrus podcast where she was basically saying that she has kind of not like a list of requirements but she she knows herself really well and she knows what she wants uh, when she's looking for somebody and I think yeah um what you were basically like kind of getting at with with looking at romance in a very like rose tinted way of like, Oh my God, it was fate that we met and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, you often, there's often a t- temptation to take the person that's in front of you. Um, like, like, basically think that you can change them or, or kind of think yeah. that things are better than they are but I think there's definitely something to be said about taking a person and a romantic relationship at face value like the way you take yeah. a job spec and be like okay well this is what I'm gonna have to do in the job like when you get a yeah. boyfriend who's who or a girlfriend who wants you to do weird things or like wants you to change <laughs> yourself or um like get rid of your hobbies and stuff like that maybe you should think of it more like or a if job they don't spare. do
0: the washing up like exactly something like that. yeah if you're gonna have to nag them all the time to do that then like just take that into consideration are you okay being that person if not you know maybe think about it exactly um yes so the question here when steven stefano says what advice do you have to keep things casual during the job hunt That's. Hard. i mean without wanting to be super patronizing i think maybe that's that's sort of the wrong attitude because that's basically impossible. Mm -hmm. If you really want, like if you want to get a job, it's very difficult unless, you know, you're looking for part-time stuff that's a bit more chill and flexible, whatever. It's really difficult. You have to commit yourself so much in order to, you know, like write a good cover letter and do the whole application process. Um, But I hope that's been useful anyway because it just shows how you can take, you know, considerations and attitudes from certain areas of your life and apply them to, things that you might not necessarily have made that link with beforehand, but, you know, just, like, it's kind of, like, mindfulness and, like, examination, almost. Mm -hmm. None of those, neither of those words are really what I'm looking for, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, I see what you mean. I think looking at things in a different way, and especially if the one approach isn't working, like, if you're on Tinder and you've been swiping for two years, maybe, like, go back to the drawing board and be like, is this, you know, am I maybe attracting the wrong people or going for the wrong people or the same thing with Mm. jobs if you you know one kind of job isn't working out for you like go back to the drawing board think about how you approach Mm. that really successful relationship you've been in you know and then Mm. yeah apply it to the job search you know try it out yeah oh
0: wow we're so wise i I really hope
1: yeah i really like wisdom the albatross i really hope steven stefano finds that helpful um
0: yeah Yeah. I think they will Um, yeah as as, I said at the beginning so much sympathy because I've been in that position as well of constantly searching for a job and it's just very demoralising and I think it's very hard for people who aren't doing it it's really hard to describe or for them to understand how like continually exhausting it is because there's like nothing to look forward to and you don't know when it's going to end and it's like just relentless so yeah I really sympathise with that but keep going we believe in you
1: That's it for this week thank you to all our
0: listeners and social media followers we hope you enjoyed this episode and remember to follow us on social media at from a to gen z on instagram from a to gen z with connie and jale on facebook and at from a to gen z pod on twitter
1: tune in next time for another episode of from a to gen z